0: episode 782 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, February 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and today I've got a great guest episode featuring MLB.com's Sarah Langs. You may follow Sarah on Twitter, Slangs on Sports, you may read her work over at MLB.com, or you might have have more recently discovered her as part of the Sabermetric panel on MLB Network's Top 10 Right Now positional lists. Uh, in the middle of those shows, Brian Kenny will be joined by Mike Petriello, Ben Lindbergh, and Sarah to discuss their top ten lists with a little bit more of a sabermetric. Ben, uh, make no mistake, the guest that Brian Kenny has on for the show, and it, it varies by position. Many of them are open to the stats and and discuss different sabermetric things, but they're all former players, so they've got that aspect of it too. And you know they'll they'll definitely mix some of that in. It's not that they're all anti-number and anti-analytic. It, it's nothing like that. But. When they jump over to the sabermetric panel, it's definitely a lot more of like a, um, you know, Fangraphs video essay, so to speak. So uh, I thought she did a great job with that. Uh, Like I said, following her on Twitter is great. She puts out a lot of great uh, content via Baseball Savant, always finding really interesting stats that I'm sure drive a lot of her article ideas as well. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Sarah. All right, so I'm joined now by Sarah Langs from MLB.com. Good morning, Sarah. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's going great. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: I really appreciate you being on. Uh, got to watch you over the winter on the top 10 shows, the top 10 right now, MLB Network shows. How did you enjoy those uh, those episodes? Because it's something I look forward to every year, and the sabermetric panel is probably my favorite part. So to see you on there was was really fun
1: yeah thank you so much for tuning in it was a lot of fun a huge honor that they asked me to do it and you know like you i've always been a big fan of the concept and of the shows i can remember you know watching those and to see you know especially for me you know ben and mike and get to be up there uh with them and bk obviously who i've gotten to go on with a couple times uh on mlb now it was it was just a lot of fun and uh you know It's so much more stressful when you have to come up with your own list, like it's much more fun to watch other people do it, read all these articles um, and, you know, just see what everybody else is thinking. But then I'm actually like, oh, I'm going to have to stand by this. And if I put, you know, like David Fletcher was a guy who I uh, (laughs) kind of took a chance on um, because I love his plate discipline. I don't actually necessarily think he's a top 10 player at his position. But I wanted to talk about him, you know, and I wanted to have something to talk about. So I put him there and then that was like a big thing. And, you know, I was the only person to have uh, Mike Soroka in the starting pitcher list at Mm -hmm. all. And everybody, I think, pretty much said that he was probably top 15 for them and, you know, because he's not a huge strikeout guy, but I'm a big fan of what he does and the way he carries himself. So I, you know, took a flyer and put him, I think, 10th and, you know, all of a sudden you're having to explain yourself and it's a lot, a lot different. So that's why I have stats to rely on. That's why we were the sabermetric panel. So that all was uh, very good.
0: It was a lot of fun to watch and we'll get into your toughest list in a moment, but... Um, I agree. And I just, I just do them on, I I watch the shows on my Twitch stream. So with my viewers there and just putting out my own list where it's just in front of my Twitch viewers, it's not an MLB network. I'm like, I have to stand by this. So you better be ready to get, (laughs) why did you put this guy here and this guy there? And you didn't even include this guy on your list. So I've got all the numbers to back everything up. Speaking (laughs) of numbers. You are indeed the baseball savant queen for those that don't follow you at uh, Slangs on Sports, which by the way, Slangs is an amazing nickname. That's a, so perfect. But uh, Slangs on Sports on Twitter, you're always posting great little tidbits, um, just an awesome follow. You're pulling stuff from savant all the time. As somebody who's regularly at savant, what are your favorite, what's your favorite tool or tools, if you want to mention uh, more than one, to use on that, uh, on that website? I know there's a lot to choose from. I'm going to narrow you down to one or two, though.
1: Yeah, um, there's so much on that site, and it's just such a huge credit to Darren Wilman and our entire, you know, StatCast team, but he's really, uh, as I understand it, the guy who, you know, comes up with all these visuals. You see, I mean, his Twitter feed, I, I think Darren, D-A-R-E-N-W, w, yes. um, is also a must follow absolute must follow he's always coming up with something new or a different way to visualize things so uh just following him is half of what i love about baseball savant um but i love these different things you can find like i literally found something yesterday that i did not know was on the site until yesterday which is that there's something where if you um if you google like player teammates Uh, You can and baseball savant. There's a page that gives you sort of like a Venn diagram, sort of like it's a circular image um, of every player who has played with a player. So you type someone in, like someone was asking me about Tyler Clippard, who has obviously been on a lot of teams and had a lot of teammates. And there are different circles all within this giant circle, and basically a bigger circle means that he was a teammate with the person for longer, like seven-plus years, and a smaller circle means that maybe they were only on a team together for a year. Um, and it's you just mouse over, and there's all of these names, and it's a really, really cool thing. Baseball Reference has, like, a similar thing where you can get a list of teammates, but visualizing it like that with color coding and, like, big circles and little circles is, like— so much of what I love about Baseball Savant, because I think what it does, and that's not a next-level stat in any way, but one thing that the site does a great job of, in my opinion, is taking things that are next-level stats and making them much more digestible and Mm -hmm. helping you sort of visualize them and understand exactly where they're coming from. So even though that is not a next-level stat, it's an example of like what the site, I think, does so well. And if I can say two things, the other thing that I just absolutely love is just the front page of the site. It has, I believe it's nine players who are like trending- uh, yes. In terms of their pages have been viewed the most in the last 24 hours or whatever it is. And it's really fun when like Mike writes something about Drew Pomerantz and no one's talking about Drew Pomerantz in November. But then Mike Petrillo writes something about him and all of a sudden Drew Pomerantz is like up a thousand percent.
0: I love or... when it's a thousand or more like just, yeah. just an insane percentage. Like everyone's like, OK. Oh, now, now I have to look at his page.
1: Right. And like when certain teams, I feel like when the Rays, for instance, make a trade, whoever they trade for. Even if it's the minor league guy, you get Mm -hmm. even no headshot, but his is all the way up because like those fans are definitely, uh, you know, so up on like going to a savant page. And there's a lot of teams like that, but they're the first one that I think of. The Astros actually is another one. Um, I
0: completely agree.
1: And it's so funny. Like, it's great when it's somebody who doesn't even have a headshot and maybe they're the big name in the trade, but it's not a top hundred prospect. And then all of a sudden, this is where you are. Are. like
0: like Xavier Edwards who was uh, yes. popular for another reason in that, that trade that we won't get into right now but uh, we did talk about what Blake Snell said and You know, in the heat of the moment. But, yeah, I love that. I love seeing when a guy's up over a 1,000%. It is so funny. And you can tell that it's usually Mike that has driven that traffic over there. Um, And, again, Baseball Savant, if you're not using it, it's a great site. If you have questions, I'm sure I'm going to volunteer you. But I feel like people could reach out to you. on Sports, if they have questions with it. And they can reach out to me on Twitter, at Spore, if they need help with anything. There's so much great stuff. And I agree with you. The visualization is what's key. Because just looking at numbers all day, all the time, which I do love to do, You can start to get lost in it a little bit but when you can actually get those visualizations it really brings a lot of stuff home and you can really start to understand the concepts that you're kind of absorbing a bit more so i really i really do enjoy that about savant and darren's work has just been amazing to watch the way the site has transformed has just been off the charts
1: Yeah, and if i can uh chime in one other of course um we actually there's a a Twitter account that he started last year that I think uh, hopefully we'll use more this year that's at Savant Tips. So S-A-V-A-N-T-T-I-P-S. And the idea is to sort of, you know, the best thing about Baseball Savant, in my opinion, beyond the visualizations or anything else, is just the fact that it's all there and completely Mm -hmm. accessible, right? You don't need to be either of us working in baseball, working for these various websites. You can be anyone sitting on your couch and you can look up the exact same thing that I can look up if you know how. And I think that part of the idea behind that Twitter account was to help, you know really bridge that gap because I think a lot of people know how to do certain things on Savant, but maybe not everything. But you should be able to do everything because it's all you know possible. So if I could just plug uh, that Twitter account as well. Oh, no,
0: that's great. I'm put that in the uh, show notes as well. Savant tips. And that way, I didn't volunteer us now. Now it took that workload off of us. Great job. <laughs> great job on that one. Now we don't have to answer all those questions. All right, now back to the top 10, your toughest list. I asked I asked for your toughest one. Yes. I was not surprised to hear you say it was shortstop, which was obscenely difficult. I didn't even rank two of the guys that you had, and I agonized over it. So our top fives, uh, I'll, I'll give you your top ten list. It was uh, Lindor, Story, Baez, Semyon, Bogarts, Correa, Seager, uh, Trey Turner, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Glaber Torres. Yep. I didn't even have Correa on my list, yep. nor, nor did I have Seager. And it was so difficult. Nobody put Angleton Simmons, which I get his bat wasn't there, but he was so transcendent defensively that yeah. I did. I did put him. So we have the same top five, just a little different order. Lindor, Baez, Story, Bogarts, Semyon. For me, we just have small changes there Then I went Simmons, Tatis, Turner, Torres and Paul de Young. So I favored yes. defense a bit with Simmons and de Young. You mentioned that it was difficult for you. Who were, who were those 11, 12, 13 that you were like, oh, I got to get them on the list, but I have to make cuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, the incredible thing to me about shortstop is that there were, as you're saying, so many guys who I didn't have top 10 who, like, I would believe if someone put number five, you know, like they were that good. Uh, DeYoung was my... 11 I guess I didn't really rank it Beyond 10 but he was the number one guy I was Really agonizing over should I have him Should I not Uh, I did have Simmons Written down you know because of the defense but I you know also age a little Bit I sort of went towards these Younger guys it's such a young young player Position at this point but they're also like They're not prospects anymore you know Mm -hmm. when It was Lindor and Baez and they were Back-to-back draft picks and that storyline like We're past that and now these guys are established players But they're still all really young Um, No one even mentions Tim Anderson I mean, I know that, I know. you know, and we can talk about him later, but, but it was really just batting average. And I understand that, but I mean, the guy who led the majors in batting average, and even if that's more of an old school stat, you know, we didn't even talk about him. Uh, you know, Jorge Polanco, I think was on the shredder list. Mm-hmm. Um, that and surprised
0: I think he, me a lot, by the way.
1: Yeah. So I learned more about exactly how the shredder works. I don't know the exact like formula or anything, but it, it does consider a two year sample and his two year sample, I think does rate pretty well. Um, It
0: is, it is good. I just, his defense was what got, again, I was, I was pretty defensive focused as a tiebreaker Yeah. and I like what Polanco can do with the bat, but that, yeah, that one shocked me when he made the
1: shredders list. Yeah. it's always. And again, we don't know exactly, I don't know exactly how it works. So I'm not sure like what one thing maybe he did that ended up, you know, kind of pushing him up there. Um, And then I think BK might've had Bo Bichette on his list. And, you know, my, my thought with most of the young guys is like, if he's going to be there for the next 10 years to come, I'm not going to put him yet if I don't quite think he's there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I certainly thought of him and, you know, I was working on a piece from MLB.com the other day uh, off of our fantasy rankings, actually for shortstop and just sort of writing out, you know, some stats and thoughts about uh, each of the guys, basically like the top, like closer to like 15 or 20. Uh, and he came up and obviously there's so much promise there, but I figured, you know, let him be on the 2021 less 2022 and so on. Uh, the thing that was actually interesting to me, and I think I said this on the show, was I was like concerned I would be too low on Gleber Torres, but everybody kind of had him around that like seven, eight, nine, ten, sort yep. of in the that latter was kind part. of where
0: to put him. Quality yeah. hitting, but did all that great work against Baltimore. And he's gonna face Baltimore again, but he's probably not gonna have that kind of performance. And the defense is a little bit questionable. Moving, yeah. especially moving from second to short. Uh, it's going to be tough. So I agree with you. I I thought he'd be much higher too. And when I put him nine, but no, you had him 10, I had him nine and we were, we were right with the consensus of, of everything else that was going out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a great player, but it's funny. He gets, you know, so much hype playing in New York and that's nobody's fault. And you know, it's very well deserved. He's a really fun player to watch. Uh, But it's like, if you think of how much I heard each of these guys names in the past year, Based on that alone, that's why he I am concerned too. everyone else would have him <laughs> in top five, you know. Yes. Um, but I think he was properly rated, and I think that's great. And I think he'll be moving up that list, you know, in the years to come.
0: I agree. And if he makes any defensive improvements, then, then he really is. Uh, Torres does have that top five potential. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get into another thing. Let's shift over to pitching and talk about the Dark Horse Cy Young candidate list that you all put together where everyone contributed one for each league. And uh, I really like this because we put up a, a top uh, 30 starting pitcher podcast that we just did last night that's going to go up a little bit before this one. And we got into your AL pick quite a bit, talking about how he's a nice. bit underrated. So why don't you unveil that uh, AL Dark Horse Cy Young and let's talk a bit about him.
1: Yeah, so uh, full disclosure, because I'm not sure if it ended up making the article itself but my initial pick was Mike Clevenger um, okay we we actually worked on this a couple of weeks ago and for various reasons it, it didn't end up going up until recently and in the span of that time unfortunately he needed surgery uh, yeah. for a partially torn meniscus in his knee uh, so I actually had the first pick and he was the first pick and he was pretty much the consensus first pick we did this like a draft um, and so I then it. I was in the situation of instead picking last in the American League and the National League um, but I actually, I was talking to our uh, Twins reporter, Doe Hyung Park, and I told him like, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Barrios you know, based on who's available. Everyone else has already written their piece. And he's like, does he even count? Um, and I <laughs> thought that that was, you know, a pretty good uh, sign that I was making a good choice here. Uh, I really like Barrios I love, I love that curveball. Um, we each chose like a stat to highlight, and I chose to highlight his horizontal movement on his curveball, which was, you know, up there with All of the curveball artists that you think of, Charlie Morton and Rich Hill and I think Wainwright uh, last year with certain uh, minimums. And, you know, I was actually very surprised to see that he had never gotten Cy Young votes in his career. I mean, we remember he came up and he had that very bad start to his career where nobody thought that's who he was going to be. And nobody really thought that that was going to matter. And that is exactly what happened. And he's had a like sub three nine era uh, ever since And he hasn't quite been on the ace level. The closest he was was last year. But I I mean, I was surprised he didn't get a down ballot vote uh, at some point in 2019 or 2018, which if he got it in 2019, it would have meant that I couldn't pick him based on our parameters. So I'm glad if they
0: had any vote. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So if they had a vote in
1: 2019.
0: Okay. I was going to say to that end, I thought, um, yeah, because Clevenger probably got... Well, he actually, no, he didn't get any down-ballot votes in 18. Yeah. I thought he would even have something in 18. But uh, Clevenger would have been a great pick, too. I love him. His talent is insane. It stinks yeah. that he's going to start with another injury. But Barrios, he's so nasty. And again, that's what we were getting into on yesterday's show, or, or this morning's, based on the timeline. Um, and. There is that next level though. We, I really believe that my co host Justin and I, we really believe that it's there. He's been this steady guy for three years now, adding innings each year from 146 to 192 to 200. And you know, it's just been solid, high threes, quality whip. But that next level, and I think it's going to be based off of that curveball, turning it into an absolute monster, maximizing that movement that he has on it. And you put the the key stat was 17 inches on average of horizontal movement. That's so gross, and yeah. that can kind of be his strikeout offering. And he has great control, so he doesn't yeah. uh, he doesn't walk guys, give up free passes. His home run rate is fine. It's 1.17 each of the last two years. That's not great. It's not terrible. It's it's completely livable, especially when you don't walk guys. But if he boosts that strikeout rate and I know that it doesn't matter, like you don't need wins for Hall or for Cy Young. But if you put up 22 wins, it brings your profile up still, even in today's age, it does. Uh, And with that offense that they have, and I like their bullpen as well in Minnesota, he could be pushing a major win total. And if he comes with a low threes ERA, a one Oh something whip, and yeah. over a strikeout per inning, then I'm with you. I think there is Dark Horse uh, candidacy here for Jose Barrios. That was a great pick. So even though you got thank skunked you. And, and ended up getting <laughs> the last pick because your guy got hurt, I think you still did really well there.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I agree. I mean, one of the things I, I mentioned in uh, the article is I do think playing on that team and how competitive they're going to be is going to really help him, not just from the wins perspective necessarily, but I just think that when he has the chance to – lead a team that is now trying to get to the playoffs in back-to-back years they had that huge year last year I think that they're going to have a lot of fire you know within them to show that that wasn't a fluke that it wasn't because everybody was hitting home runs it wasn't whatever else that you know here they are beating out the Indians for a second straight year potentially Uh, I think that all of that will just serve to propel him even further and you know certainly being the ace And not a surprise team, but a playoff bound team that people are expecting will certainly help him. I mean, just in the minds of voters, again, with sort of those intangible qualities. Uh, So I'm really excited. I definitely think that regardless, probably Garrett Cole wins a Cy Young. We'll see, you know, overall and realistically. But I do think that Barrios, I mean, if he has a good season, this has to be the year that he finally at least gets a down ballot vote or something. You know, it just seems like it's all setting up.
0: You would think they're at least going to get some votes for, for Brios. But yeah, if you're just trying to cash a ticket, you pretty yeah. much have to take Cole or Verlander. But if you're trying to get some odds... And, and go a little bit outside the box the, uh Barrios and the guys that y'all had, like uh, Montas is somebody I really like. Glass Now I, I, the picks were really good there. Uh, you you got to go a little bit off the board there to actually maybe get some money on your bet. If, if you want to do that in places where it's legal. Um, but yeah, I, I liked that. Now the NL one, this is a guy I've always struggled with because I love the player. love his attitude. Love yeah. all the stuff about him. I'm nervous about him on this team. Unveil your NL pick. And let's talk about, uh, let's talk about this guy.
1: Yeah. So I, this was the snake draft. And so I had the first pick in the American League, so I had (laughs) the last pick in the National League. And I will say that having the last pick in the National League was a little tougher. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess if you just sort of think more broadly, and this is one of those sweeping statements that, I mean, I could probably prove, but I don't have the numbers to right now. Like, there's a little bit of more question in the National League beyond some of the aces. Um, and I feel like maybe it's younger guys. I don't know exactly what it is. There's also just a lot of guys who had received votes. And, you know, I wasn't expecting that. I was going to that, say that, that that's
0: the tough part is that <laughs> yeah. the, the, the candidates there have received those votes. So it does yeah. cut into the NL pool. You're definitely right there.
1: Yeah. Um, but so. uh I took Marcus Stroman, I think I forgot to say it, Uh, and the key stats that I decided to highlight was just about his slider, he had a 192 uh, weighted on base against it, or in a bat's ending on it, um, last year, which was, you know, ranked pretty high, fifth out of 89 starting pitchers, at least 75 uh, played appearances that ended in a slider, and, you know, it's guys like Verlander, Scherzer, Sonny Gray, John Means, who all had really great years last year, uh, whether or not they were, you know, John Means isn't, the first one you think of, but he's John means had a great year. Yes. John
0: Means Business. <laughs> don't, 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 sleep on our, don't sleep on the guy in Baltimore there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, even though I chose to highlight his slider, and I do think that that is a key pitch for him, uh, whether he has success in 2020 is really going to come down in large part to the Mets' defense. We saw yes. them sort of, uh, that infield defense sort of rebound in the second half, especially Ahmed Rosario. Uh, if you look at his outs above average in the infield, after april they were good and if you do like a first half second half split he was much better in the second half and you know that was something that the mets were very vocal about and he was vocal about uh you know whatever it was that he especially over the all-star break you know really worked on getting better and it did show and he's a player who has had so much promise especially defensively and a lot of where he was ranked when he was amongst the top prospects had to do with his defense so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like he's just finally the guy who we expected him to be especially in that respect Uh, it's not just him but certainly him and the rest of that infield uh, performing well which they did not on the whole do last year is going to be what makes or breaks Stroman's season in many ways because he's a sinker baller. And that was the big concern, you know, amongst stats people, you know, comparing uh, when he did get traded over of, like, that's a rough infield defense to be going over to. So no, while I highlighted his letter, it. you know, we'll see.
0: No, that's exactly the, the question I would have had and, and, and kind of where I'm at and why I have that disconnect of a player I really like versus – uh, in fantasy, kind of having him down the board a little bit because I do worry about that infield defense. But the Rosario improvements are important, and of course, the shortstop is the most important guy. He can kind of carry the the infield there. Um, you know, McNeil is going to be at third primarily. He's not awful, but he's not he's not uh, a standout. Cano has been great defensively in the past, but he's 37, and then Pete Alonso at first. Your first baseman's not the yeah. the, the biggest key there, so we'll see how it goes. I do like Stroman, though, and he continues to try to evolve his game. He's always working on it, and we'll see what pitching coach Jeremy Hefner has in in store for his guys. It's a new coach, so if he's got some ideas, uh, they can get creative with shifting, perhaps, to kind of—you can mitigate a defense that way as well. So I thought it was an interesting pick, and it's one I'm rooting for, even though in fantasy I'm always nervous about him because of his strikeout total and now because of the defense behind him. But good pick. I like your Burrios you. one even more. So let's jump back to Tim Anderson because you, yeah. you mentioned him in the uh, in, in the shortstops and said that we would talk about him. Yeah. He won the batting title, right? And I know Brian Kenny would, would be crushing us for even calling it the batting title. It's the bet he wants to call it <laughs> the batting average crown because <laughs> he weren't the best hitter just because he had the, the highest batting average. But we call it the batting title. He did win it. What's he do for an encore? He's got such an interesting profile. Well, What what do you really see out of him going forward now after such a a spike year from what he's done previously?
1: Yeah. So I just want to come out and say Tim Anderson is a fascinating player to me. I have been on board the Tim Anderson train since when he was in big league camp the year he ended up getting called up uh, with the White Sox. My mom and I go down to spring training uh, every year just to go to some games. And it was in 2016. And Jimmy Rollins was with the White Sox. He was, you know, I think trying to, he was on a couple teams there towards the end. I think mm-hmm. the Giants may have been another one of them, actually. Um you know, trying to figure out if something could stick. And he, he was with the White Sox that year. And he was essentially what was standing in Tim Anderson's way. Um, and Tim Anderson was a young player. He was a prospect. He was, you know, all of this expectation. And I just remember reading all of these articles about all of these great things that Jimmy Rollins had to say about Tim Anderson. And this is a kid who has all of his career ahead of him, all of this promise. And I just thought that if someone like Jimmy Rollins, had all of that great stuff to say not just about his play but about his character I was like I need to pay attention to this kid and so I did and uh, he did not make the team out of spring training uh, uh, Jimmy Rollins made the team and in like June they Rollins was not playing well and they DFA'd him or whatever else and called up Anderson and Jimmy Rollins was like so excited for him and and i don't know i just love that energy that's just part of what i love so much about the game is Mm -hmm. some of these veteran players and the understanding they have and understanding themselves in the context and in the broader you know context of baseball as a whole and you know jimmy rollins knowing that his time was probably up but this guy is going to carry the torch and be such a great thing for baseball so just you know aside from the bat flips and aside from the batting title and everything else like i have been on board for tim anderson From the moment that I learned of those connections and all of that that he had to say about him. Uh, So that being said, I don't think he's going to win the batting title again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair. After a a 399 Babbitt, it's probably not going to hold up.
1: Yeah, so the White Sox were interesting, right? Because the 399 Babbitt was second among qualified hitters behind Moncada. The Moncada, yes. 4 6, yes. So there's some concern there for sure. I mean, I was looking, I think Steamer has him at 275 average, 26 walks, which stood out to me (laughs) and we can come back to in 21 homers. Um, That would be a pretty good year. You know, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that the White Sox are honestly going to be relying on other guys, probably some more power type guys like Aloy and Luis Robert and everybody else um, that if he goes out there and his 275 plays good defense and, you know, bat flips every one of those 21 homers that Mm -hmm. I think that they would certainly be happy with that. Uh, 26 walks is 11 more than he had last year. He had 15 walks, which was the fewest by any batting title in the modern, uh, any batting champ, excuse me, in the modern era. I mean, that would be a thing. Um, but uh, he did a interview with MLB Network uh, in relation to the top 100, where I think mm-hmm. he came in somewhere in the, actually, I don't remember where he was ranked. But I don't remember outside either, but
0: I know, I know the interview you're talking about.
1: Yes. And uh, they were asking him about whether he focused on, you know, trying to walk a little more. And he basically just said, you know, I want to make myself happy and I want to do what I want to do. And, you know, people can interpret that however they want. But for me, that's the energy that makes Tim Anderson such a fun player to watch, you know? And if other things weren't working for him, then I would say maybe you need to backtrack over that and figure out how to take your walks. But, I mean, if he hits 275 and walks 26 times, again, that's a pretty good season. Um you know, maybe fantasy wise, not exactly what you want. Um, but overall, it's certainly solid. And well, the, I'm the excited to would, see what he does.
0: Yeah, the speed would keep him fantasy relevant, though. If he goes 20/20, yes. yes. even hitting 275, that that's still going to be perfectly relevant for Tim Anderson because uh, the fantasy market isn't overrating him. A, because shortstop's so deep, and B, because uh, you know most most people who play fantasy are aware of the crazy BABIP and how it's uh, certain to come down. And so he's actually being priced pretty fairly for the regression that's definitely going to come i I, it'd be great if he walked more but that's not who he is and i don't want to force a player to be somebody that they're not because then you can have this trickle effect where then he doesn't even do the things that he's done well well anymore you know so you can you can go too far with that stuff and i like the stats as much as the next guy and i like walks because i want the obp to be up but if it if it totally messes up everything for a Tim Anderson type, then I'm not gonna force him. And if I can just get to him to be like a, you know, 98 to 105 WRC plus, just like a solid yep. league average bat, capable defender, I'll take that. They don't need him to be a star to to reach their expectations. You know.
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, I mean, just like, did you see, I'm sure you saw, you know, he had a bat flip clinic at White Sox fan yeah. fest. I mean, he's just, you know, when you take a step back and beyond the stats and beyond any of that, he's so much of what we want in a face of baseball, you know, I, I and I totally know that that's right. And we throw around that phrase, maybe too much in this search for one. Um, and I don't think that there needs to be one, you know, overarching player. I think that what we really need is just, you know, more personalities amplified and more personalities yes. to amplify. Uh, and he's definitely a great one. And, and I'm so excited, like, for him to be part of the uh, f- the game and the Field of Dreams game. I think that uh, it's just a great chance to put that entire team on display. They're going to be playing the Yankees. They're going to get their due. But it's a good chance to really uh, focus on the White Sox. And I think that he's sort of the, he seems to be sort of like the thought leader on that team. You know? I, I
0: fully agree with all of that, and and Moncada, you know, you mentioned that he was another one with the high babip, and he seemed to be more aggressive. And I, I I do it made me wonder all season if if Anderson was in his ear like, hey man, you know, you don't have to get rid of all your walks. You're you walking <laughs> 10, 12 percent of the time, but maybe just be more aggressive and you'll get some results. And he got great results. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what what they do. The left side of that infield does for an encore after the big seasons. They're gonna be batting one two ahead of Abreu, Grandal, and Canarzio. Jimenez that's insane and then that's going to transition us into our next question about Luis Robert because you did the rookies to watch segment on the next year uh, on top 100 talking about the next year guys and you picked Luis Robert he's a fantasy darling because he has an insane power and speed profile and the second he got that contract that more or less guaranteed that he's going to be on the opening day roster his fantasy price shot through the roof so everybody's already on board in the fantasy market you think he has a top 20 or he has a top 100 potential for 2021 What are your expectations for 2020 from Louis Robert?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're high. You know, when we did the uh, position rankings that we were talking about earlier, uh, Ben put him maybe number 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had him and he was the only one of us to uh, take a chance. And, you know, it's always and something like that, taking a chance on a guy who has no major league experience is kind of akin to me taking my chance on uh, David Fletcher. But (laughs) it was fun and we got to talk about him and. Uh, I'm really excited. I mean, from everything that I've read and heard about his ability, I mean, I remember reading articles last year that said that he was pretty much major league ready and, you know, he dealt with injuries. And last year he played at three levels because he was coming back from those injuries. And Mm. that's one concern I have is that... uh, you know, his projections are based off of that, to my understanding, at least in part. And, you know, <laughs> the, the couple weeks or whatever it was that he played in like high A uh, probably shouldn't count for that because Agreed. that just wasn't even fair. Yeah, that being
0: 305 said, WRC and yeah. 84 point appearances. Is that really going to impact <laughs> his major league work? Probably not.
1: <laughs> right. But I do think, you know, from a confidence standpoint, that had to be great. And even if you look at what he did in triple A. I think he hit, like, 294 or something like that. He had 16 home runs. He was definitely not um, shying away from that competition, and that's the closest that he's been to the majors. I do think there'll probably be some sort of adjustment period. Um, It's just so rare that we see these guys come up and, like, absolutely mash for a consistent period of time. You know, we got, like, Trevor Story hit all of those home runs in his first few games, and then he kind of came back down to earth, and then actually he's a great player. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of expecting, you know, something along those lines, but I know that Steamer has a 25-25 season for him, uh, 25 homers and 25 stolen bases, which would be a lot of fun, oh, um, and so- I'm just excited to see it happen, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I've, I've fallen hook, line, and sinker for the White Sox as, as the darling, you know, wild card <laughs> pick with a yeah. chance to even— Dethrone the, the twins. I like the twins yep. a lot. It's nothing against them. It's just that this team, if they found another pitcher, if, if Renaldo Lopez takes a step or, or Dylan Cease to go with uh, Giulietto, who they have, and a couple of veterans in like uh, Keiko and um, Gio Gonzalez that they got, like they have the makings for a lot of different stuff here. And you talk about rookies and how we expect them to hit the ground running and just be excellent you know it didn't happen with Vlad last year it didn't even happen with team teammate Eloy Jimenez he was actually off to a rough start those first two yeah. months gets uh the injury comes back and was excellent and still ended up hitting 31 homers kind of quietly by the way yeah. so you know they just have so much excitement up and down that lineup I'm really excited for Luis Luis Robert and I love that his nickname is Lou Bob it's yes. just a great nickname I'm very very excited for him I want to talk about one more young player before we go,
1: yeah.
0: and it's Juan Soto. Arguably the most electric young player in the game, in a game full of electric young players. That's the yes. impressive part. And you talk about personalities we need to highlight. His needs to be front and center. Yeah. But you had a tweet highlighting how he barreled 32 of his 39 homers, and you put it, uh, and you had a video link to it, which was a great watch. Is there even more to this incredible game that he's had? Can, can he jump enough? Other level possibly with Washington on the heels of what he did last year
1: I think he can I mean I think that the Juan Soto that we're going to see moving forward is really going to be that Juan Soto who carried his team to a World Series in October which I think was a different player from what we'd seen from him in the regular season you know he's always had this air about him because You know, he had the whole thing with playing in the game that was technically before his debut day because of the suspended game and hitting a home run before his first major league home run and all of those things. And I just think that there's always been this like glimmer to who he is and he's lived up to it. You know, he's been really good. If you look at, you know, most home runs before turning 21, he's very close to the top of the list and every other, you know, sort of like counting power stat like that. If you look at WRC plus through certain ages and everything else, he's, top 10, top five, whatever it is. But I think that that next step that he's going to take, and I really think he's going to take it this year, is just being fully appreciated for that and really being able to carry this team. I mean, I was looking through the uh, Zips projections the other day, and he's basically projected amongst all of the guys who we know are going to finish, like, top three in MVP, right? If you look at his war projection, he's up there with Trout, Lindor, Bregman, Cody Bellinger, Mookie wow. Bats. Like. That's not where we had Juan Soto a year ago. You know, that was where we thought Juan Soto might have to go in the absence of Bryce Harper. But we didn't know if that would happen. We had him, you know, in the Acuna range and these good young players. But, like, that is a whole other echelon in my mind. And I think that that's where he is now. I mean, if you look at his projections by pretty much any system, you're looking at him on some sort of top five, top three list with pretty much just the names I listed ahead of him. Like, it, there's one WRC plus projection where I believe it's Trouton and then him, you know, and there's another wow. thing where it's like Trouton and then Bellinger and then him. And it's really, really incredible. Um, and I'm just so excited to see all that happen. And, you know, he's been vocal about working on his defense. I hope that we see more of that. He did, you know, between 2018 and 2019 do so. Um, and I think that he will continue to, and obviously that'll affect war and other things like that. But just overall, I mean, it seems like he's really, you know, in that superstar range now. Um, yeah,
0: it's re- yeah, it's really hard to say to suggest that that Juan Soto isn't there even at twenty. 20- what we've already seen in in basically two full seasons, you know, 494 plate appearances as a 19-year-old, it's a pretty full season, a particularly for a 19-year-old. He's yep. been so unbelievable. And then we talk about Fantasy Realm chipping in 12 steals last year while doing all of that when, when speed was never part of the yep. expectation from him. While I wouldn't necessarily bet on those again, he was 12 for 13, so he knows when to go. He was doing the right yep. things. Uh, and I believe um, at least a decent portion of that was against the Mets. And Wilson Ramos is still going to be catching. So, uh, and
1: Syndergaard you know, still, still going to be
0: pitching. Syndergaard still, still going to be pitching. So he'll still have his opportunities against the Mets for sure. Uh, he's one of the most exciting players out there. Sarah, I really appreciate you jumping on the show with me to talk a little bit about baseball and uh, some of these exciting young players coming up. What have you got coming up at MLB.com?
1: yeah uh thank you so much for having me first of all um i actually did write something about soto that i think will be going up within the next few weeks i'm not exactly sure when um so that's certainly something and i literally just got asked to write something about acuna like right before we came on here so uh you know those two are always together <laughs> and apparently i'll be writing about both of them and we've got some stuff uh, coming up with our own actual uh fantasy previews actually um and just sort of breaking down players i mentioned the shortstop one i'm also writing about relief pitchers and that's a whole other thing oh that my I'm goodness sure is so many podcasts for you because relief pitchers are impossible to predict it's um, a
0: wild market right now it, it really <laughs> yeah. is we could do an hour on that easily
1: yeah yeah but uh you know just looking forward to what all comes you know comes down the line and especially as we start getting opening day starters i'm always keeping an eye on those i love those historical notes and you know all those streaks things that end and you know will walker bueller be the opening day starter now in la it feels like it um everything like that so just and, whatever and like happens. the
0: interesting guys who like aren't really number ones or anything close to and they get the opening day bit. I, I love all of it too. I totally agree yes. with you to the end. Uh, again, the Twitter's slangs on sports. You guys got to follow, uh, read her work at MLB.com. Sarah, thank you so much for being on and hopefully we can get you on in the future again.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun.